Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu from the podcast team at Qalam. We wanted to wish you a very blessed Ramadan. This month you can expect daily uploads that will include reflections, khatiras and khutbas all from our new campus Alhamdulillah. If you benefit from this content, please give generously at supportqalam.com. 100% of your donations goes towards the means of providing accessible Islamic knowledge to people around the world. Jazakumullah khairan for listening. Assalamu alaikum. Bismillah alhamdulillah wa salatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Welcome home everybody. Happy to everybody here. How's Ramadan? Alhamdulillah. Feels like it's like the 10th day. I don't know. It just feels mashallah like we have a, a lot of, not in a bad way, uh, but like in terms of just mashallah substance. Uh, it's been pretty amazing. Alhamdulillah. Um, I wanted to welcome everybody here. Uh, welcome everybody here to Heart Work. Um, inshallah, we're going to be doing uh, a unique series during the month of Ramadan. Uh, we're going to be going through uh, one of my favorite narrations of the Prophet Sallallahu um, and that it is narrated uh, that he described many different elements and aspects of the month of Ramadan um, just so that we could take advantage of them. And so we're going to be going through some of the different, you know, uh, what's the word? Some of the flavors of Ramadan so that we can benefit from those while we're in this blessed month, inshallah. Um, so the hadith is narrated by Sulaiman al-Farisi, uh, who's one of the Prophet Sallallahu close, close companions. Uh, Sulaiman al-Farisi, as his name suggests, was not an Arab, he was a Persian. Uh, Al-Farisi means he was Persian. And he was somebody that when he emigrated to Medina, uh, he came just about the same time as the Rasul came to Medina as well. He arrived just before the Prophet Sallallahu arrived and his story is one that is like amazing uh i mean we could tell his story and it would be you know just enough of a session on its own but basically salman al-farisi was somebody who genuinely was looking for um looking for faith looking for religion right looking searching for his relationship with god and in that search he came across many different iterations of faith right uh obviously he started as a zoroastrian Thank you, DJ Asad. Okay, he started as a Zoroastrian, which uh, they uh, believe in the deity of fire, and so they worship um, the element of fire. And then he transitioned and found beauty in Christianity until he was told by a Christian, uh, you know, priest or minister that he met to look out for the coming prophet, the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu And he was told to look out for him, and he gave him some signs. Right, that when you give him charity, he does not take it for himself. When you give him a gift, he takes it for himself. He will share in that in the gift, etc. And so Sunan Farisi, and then he would come to the land of date palms. And so he went to Medina. He ended up in the land of date palm trees, not on his own volition, but he was captured and, and taken there. And as he was working in the date palm garden of one of the uh, people in Medina, he, there was an announcement that there's this new messenger that has come. And he fell out of the tree that he was working in the date palm tree and ends up, uh, you know, converting to Islam at the hands of the Prophet after this long journey. It's a remarkable story. So he's narrating this hadith. Okay, so you can understand from from this relationship. I want you guys to understand when I say hadith or narrating from hadith, what does that mean? It's like um, if one person here is telling a story and there's 10 people listening. Okay, everybody heard the same story but they're going to retell or they're going to recount that moment in history um, in a way that 
may be very similar, exactly similar, or have slight differences. But it doesn't mean that there's any weakness in that moment. It's just like the, the reality of that human moment. So Samnan al-Fadisi is one of the people that heard what the Prophet said, and he's narrating this. He says that on the last day of Sha'ban, which is the month uh, before the month of Ramadan, the Messenger of Allah he stood up in front of everybody and he said, Oh people, there comes now to you a great month, a month that is most blessed, and in that month is a night that is greater than 1,000 months. So it's interesting that the Prophet he prepared everybody and taught everybody that of the first priorities of this month of Ramadan is to actually prepare oneself for Laylatul Qadr, for the night of power. The, the idea behind the month of Ramadan is that there are many different acts of worship that are in it, but all of these acts of worship prepare the heart of the believer to like come to their peak, right? The pinnacle of worship so that on that night, you will be, like, think about it, like you're coming here to pray Sarawih, prayer in the masjid, you're fasting all day, you're exhausted, right? All these things, why? Because this is conditioning. It's spiritual conditioning so that on the 27th or the 29th or the 25th or whichever odd night it might be, like you're not exhausted, you're not overwhelmed. Like you kind of look at yourself and you're like, I've been here before, right? I've been doing this for the last 20 days. I've prepared for this, okay? So he says that this month is the most blessed month in it is a night that is greater than 1,000 months. It is a month in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made obligatory fasting during the day and he has made a prayer during the night virtuous during this month. And the person who performs these will be rewarded by Allah as such uh, more than any time other than the year. Then the Prophet he starts to explain. He says, number one, this is a month of patience. He describes it. How is Ramadan a month of patience? We talked about this a little bit on Saturday. But for those of you who were or were not here, how is Ramadan a month of patience? Okay, you have to hold yourself back from the... What do you want to do? You have to hold yourself back from the things you want to do. What do you want to do? Eat, right? You wake up and you look at your coffee machine and you're like, I miss you so much, you know? And you, you look at your fridge. The, the, the trippiest thing is when you have kids because they're like, they're like, oh, try this. And they're like holding it to your mouth. And I'm like, I thought Shaitan was locked up, <laughs> you know? Um, no, but absolutely, you have the human the human urge to eat, okay? Imam Ghazali says there's some things that are like haram during this month. Those are the things that are easier to abstain from, like eating and drinking and all the things that we know we shouldn't do. But then there's other things that are not necessarily sinful, but it's like not the, an appropriate way to spend the month, okay? It's like going on vacation to a beautiful place and just sleeping in the hotel the entire time. I know some of you are like, that sounds great. Right, but imagine spending a ton of money and booking all these tours and everything. You're going to like Paris, or you're going to like, you know, I don't know, Shanghai. You go to any of these cool places, and you just don't do anything. You don't leave the hotel. You don't try any of the local food, right? You just order whatever you were used to in America: pizza, burgers, whatnot. It'd be a shame, wouldn't it? It doesn't mean that you didn't go on vacation. You technically did, but when you get back and tell people, like, yeah, I was in, uh, you know. I was in France. No, what'd you eat? I had pizza. It's like, well, it's not known for that, right? What'd you do? Did you go out? No, I just, you know, I was in Rome, but I just slept in the, you know, slept in my hotel the whole time. It'd be a little bit frustrating. So Ramadan, part of that is that there's an etiquette with this month. And that is that this month is not a month where we waste time doing things that we normally do the rest of the year. What are some things that we give up during this month? Uh, 
Netflix, right? Netflix viewership should go down significantly this month. Like when they look at it, like they should plan, they should know, like this is when the Muslims are gonna stop watching. So we have to do something, okay? That's when they came out with like all these documentaries last year that tried to get us in, but we, mashallah, stayed strong, okay? So movies, a lot of people I know switch music off and start listening to Nasheeds. They start bumping Matt Hussein, right? They start getting to Sami Yusuf. They start listening to some of the classics. Even better than that is listen to Quran, right? They listen to some good reciters, some Quran, some podcasts, okay? A lot of people who normally have, you know, certain things that they'll do socially because of Taraweeh prayer at night, they'll alter that and they'll, you know, maybe all the friends will start to come pray together. There's different things that are altered, but all this requires patience, no doubt, right? A person wants to do what they want to do, but it requires patience. So he said that this indeed is a month of patience. And he said the reward for this patience is nothing less than Jannah. That for a person who exhibits patience for 30 days, their reward is nothing less than Jannah. Then he said, it is a month of sympathy. It is a month of caring and gentleness with one's uh, uh, fellow Muslim. That you have to have sympathy and caring for each other. Because when you're hungry and thirsty, you're easily irritable. And when you're exhausted and tired, you're easily irritable. These are things that are, are, are they're going to set us off. And so you come to the masjid for iftar, like tonight, it's going to happen for sure. Right? Like there's like the one last bottle of water and there's three people looking at it. Or there's the box of, you know, fried chicken. And there's like the, the first person who gets in line. You know, it happens at masjid iftars. It's wild. With our generation, alhamdulillah, I've started to see a lot more deference and a lot more compassion and no no you go no no you go no no you go right but i remember growing up seeing that there was a whole day of fasting that was performed and i remember hearing about the drama all right and the fights and the argument and the yelling why because they ran out of this kebab or they ran out of this biryani and people were upset and frustrated it happens at hajj too and the sad thing is that this is an accusation this is an allegation against the person that you just spent a whole day in the worship of allah and this is what's bothering you that you're only going to get one chicken tender instead of two? Like you're going to ruin your whole fast because of that? It's not worth it, right? So the Prophet Sallallahu is saying that if you can't exhibit sympathy, and we're going to talk a little bit about this today, then this is the, if you can't do it this month, then man, we are lost, right? That this is the month where a person should have just utter sympathy. Like look at the person next to you, do it, right? They're hungry, they're tired. They also didn't have coffee, right? So when you start to think about that, all right, now don't breathe on them because, you know, we haven't had food all day. We don't want to test everybody's patience. Okay? You look at the same people. Everyone's engaging in, the, in, in similar, if not the same. Of course, there are exceptions. There are some people who aren't fasting, can't fast, etc. That's fine. But the spirit of the month is falling upon everybody. And so there has to be a general sense of empathy towards people. Okay? That people are exhausted and people are... Not because they don't like it, but because they're working hard, okay? The next, the Prophet said, it is a month in which a believer's risk, their sustenance, their provision is increased. So interesting how this is a month in which the Prophet was more generous than any other month, but it's also a month in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increases a person's risk. You know, it's interesting. Uh, the, the first Ramadan during the peak of COVID, like pre-vaccine, 2020, I remember... There was a uh, um, there was a, a, a national nonprofit institute that their job was consulting for other nonprofit institutes. Okay, kind of sounds like a scam, but anyways. So there was a nonprofit group that their job was to consult for nonprofit groups. And right when COVID hit, you know, March ish, and then April, and then May. Remember, everyone was like, "Oh, two weeks off, that's great." 
here we are. They told every nonprofit, I remember this, because it was like a phone call that Sheikh Abdel Nasser was on and, and uh, some of the team at Qalam and Roots were on that call. And they said, right away, without any thinking, you need to cut everyone's salary by 25%. They said, this is stand. This is going to be industry practice. Like every church, every synagogue, every mosque, every NGO, everybody cut every staff member, like furlough and layoff every part-timer and every full-timer cut them by 25%, like right away. Why? Because of this idea of, uh, you know, this volatility, uncertainty. We don't know. We got to save money where we can. Cash flow is concerned. And I remember like it was leading up to Ramadan, right? Because this was like April or May that this phone call was happening. And so obviously there's like an awkward phone call, the awkward silence in the room because all of us are on staff and we're like, oh, <laughs> and like cancel the grub hub, <laughs> you know, I'm about to lose a little bit of, uh, you know, my paycheck. And, 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 you know, to his credit, mashallah, Sheikh Abdel Nasser says, absolutely not. This is absolutely not. And some of our team is like, okay, that sounds great, but let's address the elephant in the room. You know, they're talking about financial concern. He says, Ramadan's coming up, no problem. And at this point, no one knew. I mean, we weren't even praying Jummah. You guys remember those days? Like, no one's going to the masjid. Like, it was sad. And Sheikh's like, Ramadan's coming up, no problem. And I think unanimously from every Muslim organization that I spoke to, that Ramadan was the greatest fundraising amount in 10 years. Muslims just gave. And there was no prayer happening. There was no Jummah. There was no Tarawih happening. Everything was online. Everything was, join us for Qiyam. Zoom, join us for Sahur Zoom. Join us, let's eat pancakes together at four in the morning on Zoom, you know? And we were desperate for human interactions. So we were like, yeah, I go, you know, like, here's my eggs, you know, whatever. And I remember, and people were just giving so much money, right? And subhanAllah, we saw that it was a it was a testament to this teaching that the Prophet said. This month is a month of increased risk. You're gonna see so many opportunities to give charity this month. So many. Okay, not just with organizations like Roots and Qadam, but you're going to see relief efforts in Somalia, right? With my, my, my brothers and sisters with Haro, they do relief efforts in Somalia. They do, you know, in, in the Horn of Africa. You're going to see relief efforts all over, right? In Bangladesh, you're going to see it in Pakistan. You're going to see it in Gaza, Palestine. You're going to see it in Yemen, in Syria. You're going to see it everywhere. My advice to myself and everybody else, do not scroll past a single opportunity to give without giving something. Even if it's one dollar, don't ever diminish. The Prophet ﷺ don't diminish any good ever. If you have a chance to give something, just give it. You have no idea what that will do. Think about this, right? Like day to day, meal by meal, people are wondering if they're going to have food again. And if you give three dollars, in some countries, three dollars is a day of food, is an entire day. And us being like, you know what? And they made it so easy now. How many of you have your Google Pay loaded up or like Facebook knows all your credit card numbers? And it's so easy now. It's just a matter of entering a few digits and letting it look at your face and sending it to the Pentagon. And then, you know, they send it back. And say, yeah, that's the Muslim person we're watching, right? Whatever it might be, don't ever diminish that. If you scroll past something, if you see something, just give it. Just give something and then share. And you'll see the Prophet says that this is the result of us having increased risk this month. Whoever feeds a fasting person in order to break their fast, for that person shall be forgiveness of all of their sins and an emancipation from the fire of hell. That breaking people's fast is a big deal. You guys ever grow up in that culture seeing people, come, come, 
eat this, eat this. You know, I remember I did Ramadan in Medina and Mecca one year, and I remember that, man, it was like a battle when you walked by people as you're going to the masjid on the white marble, and they're calling you to come break fast. Literally, I felt like, you know, and don't take this the wrong way, I felt like like I was like a celebrity. Like, they were like grabbing my arm, grabbing my thumb, like, come eat with us. And I'm like, who are these people? And, and my friend who was there from Saudi, he's like, uh, they don't care who you are. They're just doing it because they want the, they want this forgiveness. They want the reward, okay? And so the Prophet Sallallahu is saying that. And for that person, they will get the same reward, the fasting person, without anything being diminished, if somebody else breaks their fast for them. Then somebody responded, Ya Rasulullah, they raised their hand. And they said, Ya Rasulullah, not all of us have the means to constantly be giving wealth away. Like not all of us are like that, right? Not all of us are built like that. We didn't get in to Bitcoin that early, right? MashaAllah. Okay. And he says, how can we do this? Then the Prophet said, Allah grants the same reward for a person if they gave a single date to break fast or a glass of milk or a piece of bread. These are all indications of like luxurious foods. Okay, so a single date is like the bare minimum, right? Just break your fast with some water or a date. Then milk, which is like an elevated meal. And then bread, of course, which is a higher meal. Which subhanAllah, if you think about that, man. I want you guys to understand and appreciate the simplicity of the Prophet Muhammad and, and really understand that all of this, you know, I heard these people, call they call themselves Omad. Have you heard of Omad? One meal a day? Have you heard of this? It's a new group, right? Okay, it's like CrossFit, Keto, Omad, right? And and I'm not here to like make fun of things, even though I just did. Uh, I'm not here to make fun of them. But what I am what I am going to say is like if you look at the the, the wellness of the Prophet Sallallahu generally, you'll find that everything that's becoming like in vogue or trendy right now, the Prophet Sallallahu perfected it, and he and he told us this, and he told us this right. The Prophet Sallallahu told us that rich foods need to be less in consumption. He said to not eat too much, right? One third food, one third air, one third water, one third water, one third air. Some of us, when we eat iftar, we're surpassing, we're in the mixed numbers group, right? We're like three and a third, right? We're like seven thirds of, and then we're like, where does that go? Well, it's taking up space everywhere else now. And that's the amount, right? Like I said, we, we eat as if we're taking revenge on the day. How dare you not let me eat? Watch what I'll do to you at Maghrib, right? And you just, Eat everything in sight. The Prophet ﷺ is telling us that the luxurious iftar was a slice of bread. Unreal. Imagine coming to my house for iftar and you're expecting something nice and there's like a Ritz cracker. <laughs> and you're like, what's this? And I'm like, I know. <laughs> I know. Not everyone. I know. Right? You know? <laughs> you would think that it was a joke. Like, you'd be like, where's the meat? Like, where's this? Where's that? But I think your messenger, he didn't have the luxuries you and I have. It's almost, it, you almost feel shy thinking that the Prophet ﷺ wasn't able to engage in the luxurious lifestyle that we have as like a normal, as a normal lifestyle, And this is why, you know, one of the reasons why he's so beautiful, okay? And then he says that this is a month in which the first part, all right, this is where I wanted to, now that we only have 10 minutes left, this is the month in which the first part brings Allah's mercy, the first 10. The middle part brings Allah's forgiveness, and the last part, or the last 10, brings emancipation from the uh, hellfire. Whosoever lessens the burden of the people that are working for them in this month, their servants, then Allah will forgive them from the fire of Jahannam. And he said, and in this month, 
four things that you should endeavor to perform in great number, two of which will please Allah and two of which you cannot live or cannot do without having them. He said the first two are you should constantly be reciting kalima tayyibah, which is la ilaha illallah, as much as you can. And you should be making istighfar, astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah. He said the second two are that you should ask dua for Allah, make dua to Allah, that he grant you paradise and that he protect you from the fire of hell. Right? So those are the four things. And he said that uh, this is the conclusion of the hadith. So I want to talk a little bit about the first portion, the first 10. He said that the first 10 days, the first 10 uh, the first section, the first third of this month, days and nights, is a section of rahmah. What does rahmah mean? Mercy. Okay, so that is the answer that we've all become accustomed to. When you read the Quran or Hadith, rahmah is always synonymous with mercy. But mercy has a connotation of something that is not actually encompassing of the word rahmah. Because mercy tends to mean, like when someone shows someone mercy, what does that mean? If I say, I, was, I showed them mercy. What does that in what does that imply? Huh? That you're in a position of power. Very good. So mercy, the word mercy tends to always involve a like the consideration of that power dynamic. Okay? Which is there, but it's almost always like a concession or like almost a begrudging, like a begrudging forgiveness. Like I'll be merciful with you. Okay. So mercy in English doesn't quite tie into what rahmah means. Rahmah, and, the, and, and the, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said this in a hadith. He said that, uh, Allah wa ana rahman I am Allah and I, I am a rahman I am the most merciful. And he said, rahim I created the womb. The womb in Arabic is ar-rahim. Okay, the, the place in which the inf or the you know the 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 fetus grows and the fetus develops and then the fetus eventually stays and is taken care of and is given nutrients by via the mother and then is right uh birthed out that is called the rahim the womb so he said and he says and Allah listen to this this is gonna blow your mind I chose and I derived its name from my name like my name is Ar-Rahman, and as Allah was creating everything and identifying everything and naming everything, when the entity of the womb was up for naming, Allah Ta'ala said that this is such an incredible experience that shakhaktu laha min ismi. I derived it from my name, okay? فَمَنْ وَصَلَهَا وَصَلْتُهُ Whoever keeps it connected, then I will uh, uphold this person. وَمَنْ uh, قَطَعَهَا that and whoever uh, breaks away from it, then he says, that I will uh, sever them from my mercy. So this is talking about the family relationship. But I want you to understand something. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he ties in rahmah to the word rahim, to this idea of a womb. So think of what does it mean to be motherly? What does it mean for a mother and their child to have a relationship? When you guys think of your mother, okay, what are some things you think about? The good things, the good memories. Unconditional love. Very good, right? Like your mother, and even if your mom gets angry at you, there's still love there, okay? And I, I've seen this now, and I'm able to witness it, subhanAllah, like I got it firsthand from my mom, and then now I can see my wife with our kids. And it's amazing how much my kids drive her insane, insane, but then the minute they fall asleep, she's like, look at this picture. 
just look at them. And I'm like, you literally all day have been asking for a break and now they're asleep and you're like, I just miss them so much. And sometimes she's like, you know, like we'll be sleeping and she's like, we'll be laying in bed and she's like, I'm gonna go check on them, right? And I'm like, they're fine. She's like, no, no, I'm gonna go check on them. This is something that is possessed in the heart of a mother that no other human being, man, it, you know, you guys ever uh, uh, heard a kid crying on an airplane, right? You sit down and the kid next to you starts crying and you're like, what did I do? A lot to deserve this punishment. <laughs> and you start like, you know, looking at flight upgrades, you ask the stewardess, okay? It's interesting because before I had children, that was also my reaction. It's very normal until you have a child to realize that you have no empathy for people with children or children in general, very rarely. But the moment that that child is your child, it's almost as if like exists on that flight, not because you don't care about them, but because the comfort of your own child is what matters the most. Okay. And this is motherhood. This is why the Prophet said that, you know, who is the person that is due most your edit, your, your respect and your commitment. He said your mother three times before saying your father once. And I'm saying that as a father, right? Not to, it's not to dog on dads, but it's to tell you that, look, your mom did things for you that, that, I mean, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described in the Quran that, you know, she carried you and bore you through weakness upon weakness, right? Like Allah ta'ala reduced mothers to such a state of weakness physically, but in that process elevated them spiritually and emotionally that they just became super, subhanAllah. So what does it mean that this word rahmah is tied to the institution of motherhood? Well, it means that this word means more than mercy. It means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he says that he has rahmah for you, when Allah ta'ala says, inna rahmati taghlibu ghadari, that my rahmah, it conquers my anger, my wrath. It doesn't just mean mercy. What it means is that everything that you can imagine about a mother feeling for their child, everything you can think of about what your mom feels for you, Allah feels that an infinite degree more for you. Like Allah worries about you more than your mother worries about you, right? Your mom who stays up with the lights on till you get home. You guys ever had those moments? And you're like, just go to sleep, right? Literally, guys, I'm not joking. For those of you who think one day it'll end, I'm 34. And I, I visited Chicago recently and I was out late with some, with some friends in Chicago. And I get home at two and I just see her on the couch, like the light on. And I'm like, I am 34. <laughs> Like, I live in my own house in another state. You don't stay up all night then, but she's like, no, but you're here. I can't go to sleep until you come home. What? But now imagine Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has more concern for you than your mother even can. Not to say your mom doesn't care about you, but compared to Allah, anything over infinity is what? Zero. So in these first 10 days, as these dates come around, in these first 10 days, the rahmah that we feel is a direct result, is the fruit of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that when he created rahmah, the Prophet tells us, when he created rahmah, he created it in 100 parts. And he said, all the rahmah that people experience on this earth, I want you guys to think of like the most merciful institutions on this earth. What are some of the most merciful displays you've ever seen before? Full of rahmah. Anybody? You guys ever seen something really merciful? Yeah. These dates. These dates. Okay, very good. So you got people who haven't eaten all day handing you food. 
Okay, that's merciful. Very good, mashallah. Way to be present. All right, what else? You guys ever seen someone like go and take care of a, of a stray animal? One of my friends, Dr. Farhad Abdulaziz. You guys want to hear a crazy story? You guys ready for this? I know that we have to break fast in like 10 minutes. He found a stray cat, not in Dallas, not in the United States, in Medina. He found a stray cat, a kitten, tiny kitten. While he was there, he started to bottle feed this kitten. Then he snuck this kitten into his hotel room. No, no, I don't know why you're laughing. It gets way more intense. He snuck the kitten in the hotel room and he's documenting all this on Instagram, okay? He snuck it into the hotel room. He went to the pharmacy. He got, you know, ointment for the infection of the eye of this kitten. He's an ER doctor. That's why this is hilarious too, by the way. So he's like taking vitals with the clipboard. Then you start seeing messages on Facebook. He's like, uh, does anyone know any veterinary institute in Saudi Arabia? And I'm like, yeah, let me just pull it up real quick. Like my phone, my contact. Listen, then he starts posting like, hey guys, I need someone in like the US State Department because I'm gonna bring this cat home, okay? And at that point we're like, all right, you've kind of lost it now at this point. And subhanAllah, man, all the doubters out there, the next picture he posted like two days later was him on a flight with this cat. And he named her Medania, which means like the female Medinan, right? Cause that's where he found her. And I met her, she's a celebrity, I met her. I got her autograph, her paw. That's mercy, man. That's Rahma. I want you to think about that. You and I are, are, we think that that story is so adorable and so cute. It's online, by the way, you can find it. Like doctor brings cat from Medina. It'll be there. Like there's, in, there's news companies that like interview him and stuff, you know, but you think that that's mercy. Think about how Allah has taken you from where you were to where you are now. And the mercy of how Allah Ta'ala protects you every day. You see near-death experiences, you see car accidents happen, you see the news, plane crashes and burning buildings and all this stuff. And you see people around you in your life. Those of you who had people who were in your generation who passed away tragically, whether it's from some sort of accident or disease. And you have to ask yourself the question, like, why not me? A true believer has to say, what is it? And it's nothing but the mercy of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. That mercy is there for everybody. And the moment that we fail to realize that that mercy is there for us is when the relationship between us and Allah starts to sever. I'll tell you this, when you get older, you start to recognize your parents' mercy upon you and you start to develop a lot more empathy and a lot more forgiveness and a lot more uh, uh, softness with them, right? When you're a teenager, you're like, when you get older, you're like, man, subhanAllah, I never understood them. Right, I never got it. And this is the, the element of mercy that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us there. So what now do we do with this, knowing that this mercy is there? We're gonna take three minutes to talk about this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us mercy, but with everything that we are given, there's a responsibility. Okay, we are the recipients of mercy. Allah ta'ala is constantly merciful with us, so much so that we cannot even fathom. I want you guys to, to understand, like even the next breath that you're about to take, the next blink that you're about to take and make, that is not something that you have any guarantee that you should deserve that, right? It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of that circumstance. When you're underwater and you're swimming and you can't breathe, you feel temporarily what it's like to not have that mercy there. And you wonder like, what is it that allowed me to have this? Well, this is a gift from Allah, but with every gift comes responsibilities. Like when I give a gift to Musa and Iman, I'm like, you have to share. 
you know, partially because I don't want to buy two of each, but also because the, every privilege has some sort of attachment that you have to do, right? So we learn from the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Whoever does not exhibit mercy, then all this mercy that they've been privileged to have, whether it's knowingly or unknowingly, it's going to be suspended from them. So what we learn is that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala gives you, He 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 fronts you with rahmah. And then you learn when you reach the age of cognition and the ability to understand from your messenger that, hey, this mercy that you've been immersed in, bars, your whole life, you need to do whatever you can with the people around you in your life to keep propagating and perpetuating that mercy to other people. And if you decide that you don't want to deliver any of that grace to anybody around you, then don't be surprised if the mercy that you were such so unknowingly receiving starts to, the tap starts to run dry. Don't be surprised. The Prophet said, Man la yarham, la yurham. Okay? So there are a few different uh, uh, ways and a few different sort of realms that we need to show mercy. Inshallah, we'll go over this and then we will break for dua, inshallah. The first organ, uh, group or category that we need to show mercy with are the believers, our brothers and sisters. Okay, this isn't an order of priority, it's just an order of generality. The believers, show mercy with each other. The Prophet ﷺ was described, لَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولٌ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ عَزِيزٌ عَلَيْهِمَا عَنِتُمْ حَارِيسٌ عَلَيْكُمْ بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ رَؤُوفٌ رَحِيمٌ You know what this means? This verse Allah is describing says that the Prophet ﷺ feels pain whenever any of you are in difficulty. He feels physical pain. It bothers him. It weighs on him. And with every believer, that he was so gentle and so merciful with every single person. I want you to think of the different realms that we don't have mercy with each other in. The judgment, the words, right? The Prophet ﷺ, he told us, subhanAllah, was he was crying one time when he was visiting his friend who was sick, Sa'ad bin Urbadah. Uh, he was visiting Sa'ad bin Abad and he was very sick and he started crying. And one of the companions asked the Prophet like, oh Rasulullah, can you explain to us like what you're feeling? Like, why are you crying? And he said, I'm crying because I'm so sad. Like, I didn't realize my friend was this sick. I heard he was ill, but I didn't realize he was like basically on his deathbed. He said that this is what will draw someone like nearer to Allah, these tears. And this, and he held his tongue, is what will cut somebody off from Allah. This. Just the things that we say. How can we be gentle and merciful with rahmah towards other people if we talk so poorly about one another and we say things? And it's not always even words that we utter. Sometimes it's like the look, right? We just give each other a look or somebody, someone walks in, we're like, oh boy, right? Even that is, an, is a manifestation of the, of the exact opposite of mercy. So ask yourself this month in these first 10 days, as you're receiving this mercy from Allah, how am I carrying this mercy onto somebody else? Are you the one that's rushing to get your food first or are you willing to hand out plates to other people? Are you the one that's rushing to get that first parking spot? Or are you gonna park in the back knowing that there's probably people with elderly parents, people with families and strollers, people who have trouble you know, walking long distances and you might be in a situation where you don't need that, right? Are you gonna try to embody mercy in every which way and form? Or are we just gonna be the normal people that we are? This month of Ramadan forces us to engage in the level of mercy that we have. Instead of being critical of something, 
Why not be positive, right? There's If you have food, right, tonight, I guarantee you, by the way, the food, mashallah, crispy, crunchy chicken, guarantee you not all of you are going to love it. I guarantee it. Some of you are like, it's not Ricky's. Okay, I know it's not Ricky's. <laughs> it's also not $15 for a sandwich. This is why it's not Ricky's, okay? It's not this. It's not that. It's not Dave's. I understand. But do you see how quickly we've become trained to share our thoughts negatively on something before we've given it its due appreciation? Hajib, right? The Prophet saw something. He was described, Bashiron wa nadira. The good news giver and then the warner. But we like to tear something down and then celebrate it in memoriam. We're like, man, this is pretty bad. Then you're on your way home, you're like, you know, some ketchup wasn't that bad. But you've already destroyed it, right? You walk into someone's home or you see someone's this or that. Instead of being critical, see how you can highlight good, positive thoughts about it before you destroy it, okay? Merciful towards his enemies. During the Battle of Badr, one of the great enemies of Islam was killed, and it was suggested to the Prophet, Ya Rasulullah, why don't we pull his teeth out so that he looks like a fool when, when his people come and pick up his body? And the Prophet said that if I were to do this, Allah would disfigure me on the Day of Judgment. Even if I were somebody that, even though I'm somebody that's his most beloved, his messenger, okay? Even towards your enemies, you have to show that rahmah. A mercy towards children. The Prophet was so merciful. He used to speed up his prayer during the crying of a child. His act of worship was sped up when he heard a child crying. That's mercy of the Prophet Muhammad A mercy towards animals. We know about the story of the woman who starved her cat. And as a result, she will be placed in the hellfire. And we know of a person, many stories of a woman and of a man as well, who took care of an animal, one being a cat, one being a dog, right? And as a result of that, they were given Jannah just by taking care of animals just by taking care of the creation around them. A mercy for the earth. The, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he tells us and, and remarks that we will be people that we will have to bear the burden of the destruction of the earth that we contributed to. So making sure that you're a mercy on the earth around you. These are the different ways in which in these first 10 days, these days of mercy, we can ask ourselves, are we just receiving or are we going to fulfill our job of giving? Are we going to take the mercy we're getting and just bask in it? Or are we going to try to keep it going and give it towards other peoples as well in in the spirit of the prophetic Ramadan. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us people that receive mercy and give mercy. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us people that accept the mercy of Allah and that that mercy changes us. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us all the best of Ramadan. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in these last few moments before we break our fast, oh Allah, please forgive us of our sins. Oh Allah, please grant us all the good in this life and the next life and protect us from the evil of this life and the next life. Oh Allah, we ask you to cure all those who are sick Oh Allah, we ask you to forgive those who have passed away. Oh Allah, we ask you if there are anybody in this room who's going through any difficulty, Ya Rab, you know it more than anybody else. Oh Allah, please forgive them and give them the strength to uh, conquer anything that is in their life, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, if anyone in this, in this room is going through any challenges financially or emotionally or personally or spiritually, Oh Allah, you are the source of their relief. You are the source of their comfort. Oh Allah, please grant it to them. And oh Allah, allow us to follow the example of our Messenger Muhammad in this life so that we can meet him in the next life knowing him and that he recognizes us by our faces. Amin, 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 ya Rabbil Alameen. Accept our fasting, ya Rabb. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sallam. Amin, ya Rabbil Alameen.